Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Go ahead and take a moment right now. You see the subscribe button? Hit that. We do these uh, several times a week. Would love for you to keep up with the series. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, the legendary Roger McGuinn. You know him famous of the birds. In fact, we're going to be talking about a very special birds record. It's the 50th anniversary of Sweetheart of the Rodeo, and he's teamed up with fellow former bird Chris Hillman to take it on the road in celebration of the album. McGuinn and I are going to talk about what prompted the tour, uh, also how the band went from psychedelic to Americana country in about four months back in the late 60s. We also discuss his covering Dylan through the years, Petty's love of the band. And then, as a bonus interview, I'm also going to include one with Chris Hillman that I recorded late last year. But for now, it's Kyle Meredith with Roger McGuinn of The Birds. Hi, Kyle. What's up? First off, I'll mention you're coming to Louisville, back to Louisville, uh, Brown Theater, this uh, this coming Monday, October 1st. And uh, what's the deal? You're playing the uh, Sweetheart of the Rodeo in full, right? That's, that's, that's the deal yeah. of this tour. 
Yeah, we're doing that. Uh, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Sweetheart of the Rodeo. It was recorded in 1968 in Nashville. Chris Hillman and Marty Stewart and his fabulous superlatives, and I'll be there too. Yeah, Marty Stewart, by the way, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of all of you, and hearing that Marty Stewart uh, is who you picked to kind of help you out on that, what what took you his direction? Well, I met Marty back in the year 2000. It was a movie shoot for uh, Dolly Parton. She was in a movie. Marty was a master of ceremonies on the movie, so when Dolly was doing something else, Marty and I went down to a little creek and started playing together, and I, I found out that he knew all Clarence White's licks. He had a a Martin guitar with a B bender. It makes it sound like a steel guitar, like Clarence had. And he was. we were playing songs from The Sweetheart of the Rodeo. You Ain't Going Nowhere and Pretty Boy Floyd. And I went, wow, this guy knows all these slicks. You know, and we've been friends ever since. And we worked together a couple of times. And I've been on his, I was on his TV show and, you know, played at the Ryman a couple of times with him in Nashville. And so he was a logical choice for this. Yeah, and the man can do anything. He really can. One of the most versatile players out there. Yeah, he and uh, the fabulous superlatives are incredible. They're, they're uh, like a, the studio guys, you know, they're like a, the wrecking crew so mm-hmm. <laughs> total uh you know like a team stuff you know i mean different albums with different sounds have had their time you know as it's written in history this wasn't the biggest you know success right out of the gate when did you start to notice that the album was finally finding its crowd and, and becoming sort of what it is now yeah i think it was a bit ahead of its time it took a while to catch on uh <laughs> so uh, we were watching the rolling stone uh, 500 best albums of all time chart and over the years uh, there are about three or four birds albums in that group and for some reason sweetheart of the rodeo rose to the top of that so i, I think it got up into the one 117 at one point so that was the reason we decided to celebrate that album as opposed to any of the other birds albums i think it was groundbreaking it was something so different. Uh, people didn't get it at first, and then uh, it was inspirational to a number of people. That you know, they, they went that direction after hearing. It. You know what blows my mind really about this is what it's only four months separate the end of the recording for the Notorious Burr Brothers and the beginning uh, of Sweetheart. But it's an absolute sea change. I mean, just taking a listen to something like Artificial Energy and Space Odyssey, and then anything else that happens on on Sweetheart of the Rodeo. I mean, usually bands take years to kind of make that shift. It, it seemed like it took you all days. How did that happen? Well, we just took a, a, a hard turn, and uh, we fell in love with the music. That's what happened. We'd, we'd always dabbled in it, and that in the show, we're going to show you how we, we played country stuff before we went to Nashville and recorded the Sweetheart album, but uh, we did Porter Wagner's Satisfied Mind on the second album on Turn, 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 and Chris Holman wrote Time Between and Old John Robert and I wrote Mr. Spaceman, and so you know we were into country country music before Graham came along. But Graham was a spark plug. Graham Parsons was so in love with country music, it was infectious, and we decided to go to Nashville after after meeting him. And, and maybe it was the right time for you guys too, because I know the band was sort of in flux with members in, members out. Did did that leave the opportunity to sort of? you know, recalibrate everything on a dime like that? Yes, it did. Uh, Chris and I were the only surviving birds, and uh, we needed somebody to fill in on the rhythm section. So we got Grandma. I asked him if he could play some McCoy Tyner-style piano, uh, and he sat down and played some Floyd Kramer-style piano, and it sounded really good. And we thought, wow, you know, this guy's got talent. We can work with him. I didn't know he was going to turn into George Jones in a sequin suit, but that's not a bad thing. <laughs> 
There's, there's been some talk on some of the songs on the record, too, like The Christian Life, how it was sort of deemed uncool for rockers to be singing about that. Did you ever find that hypocritical, though, that everybody was sort of into religion? It was just different religions? I mean, everybody was into what was happening in the East. This just happened to be, you know, something that had been around in America for a long time. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people in the 60s threw out the baby with the bathwater, and we, we just, uh, you know, started going from scratch, trying to find what was really true in the universe. And I, I even dabbled in Eastern religions, and so, so did my wife. And we both came to Jesus uh, in the 70s, so, you know, we've been there ever since. So I, I didn't really know what I was singing about on Christian Life when I sang it on the record, but I do now. And, and another one of those songs, of course, is kind of fun to look at 100 years from now. You're halfway there. <laughs> yes, we are. It's a, it's a halfway point to 100 years. That's a good good observation. It's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to sing that in 50 years from now. That's what it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure I'll be around then, but <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of uh, some, some side uh, to, the, to this album here that I wanted to ask about as we close up. You know, you, you made a lifetime uh, with, with all of these amazing albums. There would be these Dylan songs sprinkled throughout. Did it ever get to a point where you didn't ask that man, why don't you cover one of my songs on your record? Uh, well, Bob doesn't usually do other people's stuff, although he did he did a Gordon Lightfoot song. I thought that was interesting, but uh, for the most part, he doesn't. He's written 5,000 songs. He doesn't need anybody else's material. I just figure he, you, you've done so many great things with his. Like he, I think he owes you one at, at this point. That, that's all. Uh, I don't know. You know we've uh, had a friendly relationship all these years. He's kind of like my older brother. Well, I got tell you out of all of them i i think maybe one more cup of coffee when you covered that one it's it's that became one of my all time top 20 favorite songs instantly with your version of that oh thank you i, I had fun doing that colexico is a great band i, I really they, they sent me a pro tool session and i i put my vocal over it and it was uh, really fun no it sounded great and we're big fans of them around here too uh, the other thing, I, I had Hillman on my show uh, a few months ago, well, when he was uh, promoting his uh, his solo record, and he made a comment at the end, and I, I kind of wondered your take on it, too, because we were talking about Tom Petty, and he said Tom Petty was probably the only person who could have got the birds back together. How do you yeah, f- you you know, I don't know if that was his goal in life, but uh, the, the problem with getting the birds back together is, um, you know, it's just really, I don't want to do that. I, I think this is something different. This is a celebration of one of our albums, and it's not really a birds reunion. And to do an, a reunion isn't something I really want to do. I, I love doing my solo stuff. I, I do like a one-man play, and that that's great and fulfilling. And this is really a lot of fun with Marty and Chris. And, oh, by the way, if you want to say hi to Chris, I got him on a walkie-talkie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chris, I got Kyle from Louisville, a radio station. Want to say hi? Hi, Kyle. Hey, Chris, it's good to hear from you again. We're looking forward to having you back in Louisville this Monday. Looking forward to coming, Kyle. Thank you. <laughs> okay, that was Chris. He's, uh, he's following us, and we're we're caravanning up to Boston today for a concert tomorrow. Oh, that's that, that, that was really cool. Thank you for that right there. That was a fun moment. Oh, you're, you're welcome. That's fun. Yeah, so so I, I I will so so even if Petty called you if if you were still around and said said hey Roger man it would mean the world for me would you do it you you would have probably have said that's nah, probably not going to happen no yeah I've had everybody you know I've had Ahmed Erdogan and all the big wigs uh, in the record business trying yeah I've I've had a lot of big wigs trying to call me and tell me to get the birds back together so I've had a lot of people wanting to do that and I I just don't think it's you know it's just a, going out for the money and and trying to 
recreate something that was 50, you know, 60 years ago. Yeah. I don't know. But this is uh, this is more a labor of love. But we kind of did it for Chris because he had such a bad year, you know. The, Tom died after producing his album, and then his house got burned in the fires in California. Right. And I thought, man, Chris has had a rough year. It was on his birthday. He went out to dinner on his birthday and came back, and his house was on fire, you know. So <laughs> it's kind of a labor of love. Uh, I will say I am, however, talking with Mr. Crosby here in a few days, so if you need me to relay any messages, I'm happy to send those as well. <laughs> well, I'll tell him I'm so happy for him that his Sky Trails tour is doing so well. I've been reading the reviews, and, you know, he's just killing people everywhere he goes with uh, Snarky Puppy and his, his uh, Sky Trails band. It's just really cool stuff, and I'm, I'm all for him doing his solo stuff. It's it's great stuff, and, man, he's five albums in, like, five years or something like that. The man can't stop. I know. He's making up for lost time. Yeah, he is. Roger, this has been such an honor for me to talk to you about this. Uh, thank you for taking the time. I'm looking forward to the show here at the Brown Theater. And uh, congrats on, uh, you know, 50 years of a, a landmark classic record. Well, thanks a lot, Kyle. It's good talking to you. All right. We'll see you around. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. A big thanks to Roger McGuinn there, currently on tour with Chris Hillman and Marty Stewart for the 50th anniversary of Sweetheart at the Rodeo. As I mentioned uh, uh, at the beginning of this and also within the interview with Roger McGuinn, I had also recently spoke with Chris Hillman when he was promoting his latest solo record, Biden My Time. And within that, we talked about how he thinks Tom Petty could have been the one to have gotten the birds back together. There's also lots more in this interview we're sharing. Uh, please do check this one out as well. It's Kyle Meredith with Chris Hillman. Hey, Kyle. I'll start with the compliments. Uh, Biden My Time is a really fantastic record, man. You've outdone yourself. Oh, well, I, 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 Kyle, it's Tom Petty was an outstanding producer, and he got it out of me and guided me through the whole process. I mean, it's fantastic. And thank you for the compliment. I, I'm very happy with it. And uh, so I, I, probably the last conversation I had with Tom, I said, well, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this album and how it's such a great last record in my career. And he went, he says, what are you talking about? We're not done yet. I've got other plans for you. Oh. And, uh, and, you know, so there it is. But, yeah, yeah thank what, you. What, what a thing to, to say and to leave you on. I mean, that, you know, on one side, that's got to be such a vote of confidence right there, you know, sort of a, a, mm -hmm. a supercharge. Um, I mean, how does that line leave you at this point? Well, I'm very sad uh, still that he left us so soon. And uh, while I was working with him, which was last January into early February, uh, no, he was fine. I, nobody had any inkling of, of him having any issues uh, with heart, with his heart and things. He had a, a knee that he needed to get fixed, but uh, he was great. He was there every day on time in the studio. And uh, Kyle, he would bring in coffee every morning. Not not want somebody who worked for him. He'd bring in a tray of coffee to everybody. And it speaks exactly of who this man was. He was so humble. And it was hard. And I've sort of known him since 1978, but really got to know him in the last, uh, uh, in the first two months of the year. And uh, he's one of the most humble human beings. And you, it's hard for me to ever, I never could look at him as a rock star. And he is. He was such a huge uh, force in in music around the world. So, yeah. yeah. It, it leaves me a little sad. But, uh, you know, it's, it was really tough while we were on the road when that happened. That was tough for everybody in the world. I think Tom, uh, he really reached out to everyone. Everybody could, could identify with Tom Petty. He was like every man, you know. Yeah. That's the, the beautiful part of it. Yeah, they became America's band. That's what I've been saying. That's, yeah. that's the one we all could agree on. You know, whatever was going on politically, right. we had the heartbreakers. <laughs> and that was... That's right. And he was he was our 
he was the guy. He was he was the last rock star. I hate to say it like that, but he was, and and he was just such a great musician. But we know that, yeah, he was. He was America's band. It's perfect. Well, with, with every bit of the respect to Tom, and I know we'll be talking about him off and on through this because you sort of have to. I don't want that to detract from this great record, you know. Because, but but with that, I guess I mean he he does play the beginning of it, right? Because I think I'd read that you had sort of just kind of gave up on becoming a, a recording artist. Like, you weren't going to do any more records. Is that how the story goes? Yeah, I, I felt that I didn't really have any intention of recording again. I said, well, I had a great time. F- five decades, I had a great career, and and I did everything I ever wanted to do, and then some, and then this sort of just fell in my lap, and, and uh, I, I'll never forget. I, you might have read this where I said... Uh, I, I told her Peterson, I said, I better call Tom on this. I said, are you sure you want to do this? She said, well, do you want me to? I said, but can you make the commitment? She said, well, do you want me to do this? I said, I'd be thrilled to work with you. He said, well, let's do it. And there there it was. And uh, I had I, the funny line, and you probably read this one, but I, I said, you haven't even heard any of my songs. He said, I'm not worried. I said, but I'm worried. I don't know if they're right. He said, and I'll tell you if, they're, if they don't. If I don't hear them, I'll tell you, and we'll work on it, or we'll go to get another song or something, which, uh, once again, speaks volumes of the man and, and his skill at producing records, as, as evidenced by all the great Heartbreaker records that came out. And it's an interesting combination, the two of you, because Petty was so influenced by the birds. You know, he talked about that uh, a lot for, for a long time. And I sort of wonder, like, you know, for him, this was probably even a bit of a you know, a, a geek dream, a nerd dream, rock and roll nerds, you know, getting to do what they want to do finally. I mean, was there any sense of him wanting to find that classic sound and, and to retrace your steps in that way? No, he didn't really ever come out with that. I I sort of said, let, I want to cut the uh, Gene Clark song, Gene, the original member of the Birds, and Tom knew the song and he knew exactly what it was. And and that sounds so much like the Birds as as I wanted it to be. And um, but he 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 has ever such uh, subtle, uh, inspiring things he would say or do in the studio. He got it out of me. He really got the performance, and he was encouraging. And there was one. There actually was one song, Kyle, that I I thought we should cut. And he says, I don't hear that. And he says, Why don't you work on it? come back? Let's hear it tomorrow. And I played it again the next day. And I before he said anything, I said, You know what? I don't think it's right either. And then he said, Have you ever cut this? I said, Yeah. And he said, Well, why are, <laughs> why are we recording it again? So. <laughs> That was the only time. It was never. It was a. It was a joy every day in the studio with him and with the other guys. The Heartbreakers was a joy, yeah. just a blessing for me. Well, you know, as a fan, it is really fun to hear some of those little moments when you can kind of, you know, pinpoint eras. You know, I think there's been reviewers that says this is really an album that, you know, by purpose or not, sort of summarizes all of your strengths throughout your entire career. And like when I hear like uh, she don't care about time. I mean, the opening of that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm transformed suddenly, even though I've never heard this song. And I think that's one of the great characteristics about a great song right there. I don't, yeah. I don't, and that's what I, I mean, like, you know, those songs right there, did, was there ever that sense when you started those or like, okay, this is going to be sort of, you know, burritos, this is going to be sort of birds, or, or does that just come out of you naturally like that? Mm-mm. I just followed my instincts on it. You know, I, I finally at the end of the record, Kyle, I said, I said, this is almost like a concept, like you just said. I mean, there's some bluegrass-type things that I did way back in my when I started playing in 1963, 64, and then there's uh, bird stuff, and there, uh, the Fine Burrito Brothers, yeah, there is uh, one song. I Biden My Time actually reminds me of the Burrito Brothers mm-hmm. in, in a certain way, but um, 
it did take on that air of uh, five a 50-year uh, history of, of my music and all that. And, and it, we just, um, and as you may know, Walk, Walk Right Back was an accident that wasn't even going planned to be on the record that Everly Brothers sung. And Tom just heard us singing it in the studio, and he, he stopped everything, and we recorded it right there. He yeah. said, we got to put this on the album. He was absolutely right. It fit perfect. And then to have something like Here She Comes Again, that was that one was never recorded, right? Mm-mm. And it's so, it so, uh, sounds so early birds 1965 first album or second album and Roger McGuinn and I wrote that in 1979 and we played it once or twice live in McGuinn Clark and Hillman when we were going out with uh, Gene Clark and and uh, never cut it and I all I had to go on was uh, uh, a live uh, performance that someone taped but I felt like someday I want to record this it it just has that I love it I love the hook to it and and, uh, Roger was always a joy to work with. He was always fun to be in the studio with or, or uh, on stage. He was great, professional. Yeah. Now, at what point had you decided, at what point in, in all this process did you say, let's invite McGuinn and, and, and Cross in here to be to be on the songs as well? Well, I, I wanted to do uh, Bells of Rimney, cause I, and I, but I only if David was able to have had the time to sing on it, because I felt David and Herb together, Herb's another incredible tenor singer, in fact, David looks up to Herb in certain ways. And I wanted to sing that song with both of those guys, which we got to do. David was a champ, came down and spent uh, an hour or two getting his part right on it. And and, and here she comes again. We had to have Roger on it because he was a co-writer and it was right up his alley. Uh, I, we tried to have him in the studio with us, but he was busy and he was back in Florida, so we sent him the files and he overdubbed back there. But he did great. So, yeah. And he's happy with it, so that's all that counts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much history with all of you guys, you know, even if you're not in the same room, just to have those voices, you know, musicians blending at the same mm-hmm. time. You know, I, I started thinking about, like, you know, the careers you've had and, and everybody's well grown up and moved around and had a lot of lives in between. And, and you know, for the the history books and, and the way, so I'm I'm 36 and, you know, the way I look at all of rock and roll, like, do you still feel like you're part of a generation and part of this, what I you know, look at as a, a really important club within music? I do feel that. I, feel, I felt that the early to, mid, to late 60s was incredible musically. Uh, I never, ever, I'll hear a Beatles song on the radio from that period, early Beatles through, let's say, 67, Revolver, the album Revolver, and I never stop. I just love it. It's, it still hits a nerve. And that period of time from when, I, when the birds started in late 64, uh, through to 1967, 68 was magical. I mean, for not only the Birds or the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, everybody, and it was such a new, uh, it was such a new, new sound in a way. And also, the record companies were just starting to see that, and it, they were really functioning as creative entities. You know, they would sign you if you got signed to the label. They would stick with you through through a couple of albums. It wasn't like you better sell platinum or you're off the label. You know, they stuck with you and, and nurtured you and, deve- and you're developing your sound. But yes, I do feel like I was part of a great club. I was a very lucky guy. Yeah. And, you know, that story, I, I get the call, can you play bass? Sure. I couldn't play bass. I, I, I didn't have, have a clue, you know. And uh, it took me about, well, I'm probably by the second album I was figuring it out, but I was, I was sort of basing it on, on uh, bluegrass rhythm guitar. <laughs> it's a, a totally interesting. But the birds, what made the birds unique was that we didn't really know what we were doing. We just plugged in and, 
and went for it, you know, and that was the magic, yeah. It's what it's, it's sort of what makes the title a little bit funny, you know, saying all that because biding my time is a is an interesting thing to say after you know fifty plus years. And that's and that song was written in 1987, <laughs> and did not we were going to record it in the Desert Rose Band, and it just didn't it fell through the cracks. Better that it's recorded now at, at the age I am, and after all uh, more years have passed. And it's it's a uh, uh, interesting how people. Uh, look at the meaning of Biden, my time. I said, well, it's sort of like you're waiting. What you're waiting. I don't know what you're waiting for, but it came out pretty well. I, I'm happy with that one. Never analyze your own music is my motto. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will come up to me and say, I know what you meant on that song, and then they'll say something. I said, I'm going, that's not exactly what I meant at all, but that's okay. You, you get some pleasure it. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Um, I know we can't get out of here, of course, without talking about you also covering uh, Wildflowers, uh, one of Petty's uh, greatest uh-huh. songs that kind of closes out the whole record. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that takes on a completely different meaning for you now, as it does for a lot of us. But I, I kind of wondered, like, while you were doing it, w- is there any sense of, like, just don't screw this up because you're recording the song oh, in front God. of the dude that wrote <laughs> it? <laughs> no, I didn't ever feel that. And, and I didn't even wasn't even aware of that song. And it wasn't until Tom invited Herb and I to sing on the Music Cares banquet that he was being honored for. We were one of many acts that he asked to, to perform, and, and Herb brought Wildflowers. He said, I think this is a song we can do, really fits us, what we do. And I'd never heard it before. And then I said, we start working it up. I said, this, this is a great song. We need to record this. And I asked Tom's permission. I said, do you mind if we record Wildflowers? He said, no, I'd be honored. So I didn't really think about it. We just went out and sang it, you know, but... As far as now, after we've lost poor Tom, I mean, it takes on a lot a different meaning, especially the last verse, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you belong free of all t- trouble, and, and you belong in that home by and by and all this. And it's sort of a semi-autobiographical, I think, his song. Well, it's a beautiful song, absolutely beautiful. And, and once again, Kyle, it just went on at the end of the record. We're putting the sequence together, and we said, let's close it with Wildflowers, and let's do this, and unbeknownst to any of us what would transpire in the next ten, nine, ten months, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it, it just was one of those perfect moments where everything fit together. And, and when I, I doubt if I could ever uh, replicate anything on that level again, you know. Uh, he was a joy. And, if, and, and I'll, I will say this without getting uh, in trouble with David Crosby or Roger McGuinn. If anybody could have put the birds back together for one album, it would have been Tom Petty because he knew all of us really well. Yeah. That, uh, that remains to be seen. So. Well, if it ever needs to happen, at least you know that you've got uh, Tom Petty in your corner. <laughs> that, uh... <laughs> I got, yeah, and, and the Heartbreakers, too. So That's right. But anyway. Um, and you've written a book, is that right? Well, I have. <clears throat> I've got a manuscript. It's, it, I obviously have to rewrite the last, the epilogue, the mm. end of the book. I have to rewrite that, which I'm going to tackle in January after the holidays and start really go through it again and and uh, redo the end of, end of it, and then I'll I'll shop it. Or there's one fellow that's interested in representing the book. We'll see what happens, you know. No. But I'll spend some time finishing that up. Yeah. yeah and I... most of that, Kyle, is about me growing up in in a small town in California in uh, 1950s, and then being swept into music, and re- really starting with uh, folk music and bluegrass, and then like everybody else my age, the Beatles are on Ed Sullivan in February of 64, and it just, boy, that touched a nerve with everybody. So right. I remembered all the stories, and they're all nice. I don't, I don't put down 
anything that denigrates anybody I work with. I mean, I, be, I have only the good memories of people I worked with, and uh, I had some interesting friends. Still do. The ones that are still with us, I have still close relationships with. Well, Chris, I can I can say that you know, thank God to Tom Petty for for having you do this record. And now that he's mm-hmm. gone, uh, you know, if it takes someone else to pull you to do it again, I really hope it does happen because I really enjoy this. But okay. I'll say, thank if you. you just decide never to record again. For whatever reason, this is an amazing close to that chapter uh, either way. So. You're, you're very kind. I appreciate that, Kyle. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. No problem, Chris. Yeah, and thank you for all your support and everything you guys do at WSPK. <laughs> all right, Chris. So thank thanks you so very much. much. I appreciate you talking to me. Yeah, have a great Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday, the greatest. All right, you too. And have a great Thanksgiving, a, a good Christmas and New Year, and uh, hopefully I'll see you down in Louisville at some point. All right. Come on down. Take care. Bye, buddy. Bye, buddy. Thank you very much. Big thanks to Chris Hillman there. Uh, The solo record that came out in 2017 called Bide My Time. And again, thanks to Roger McGuinn as well for talking about Sweethearts of the Rodeo, the 50th anniversary tour of that one. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, whether you're listening on YouTube or you're checking out the podcast version on iTunes or Podchaser, wherever you're getting it from. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Leave a review. After that, you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.